Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. So we're in this whole conversation about neighboring, and I want the media team to help me out by putting my grid up on the screen because I want to start by asking you a question. And our job is during this summer, and don't get me wrong, this shouldn't just be this summer. This should be all the time. But we're going to really focus on this. This middle house, you are here. That's your home, your apartment, the place where you live, whoever's home you may be staying in. And around that home are other grids. And I want you to just imagine with me and think, could you name the names of the people that live to the left of you? That person that lives right behind you, could, could you tell me who their kids are? The person that lives right across the street from you, could you tell me what their dreams are? Could you tell me how to pray for them? Could you tell me what to pray for them for? What are their struggles? Did this person in the upper corner just lose their job? Did that person on the bottom right just lose their wife? And we do such a great job as Christians of loving those within the house. And we walk and drive right past the people that live right next door to us every day. Every day. Every day. We see them. We wave. Hey. We give them that little nod when we go by. But if I were to ask you to write their names down, and what should I pray for them about? Could you answer? It's a hard question, and it's one that I had to look at myself and say, you know what? No, I know a couple of them. Had some conversations with, you know, two, maybe three. But if I look at that grid and I look at my neighborhood, I was convicted. Terribly convicted, because I know how much time I spend at the church to win people for Christ. And I walk right past people who need him every day. Every single day. And this grid brought up this whole idea of this is our mission field. We're all missionaries whether we believe it or not. The Bible tells us that we are all supposed to be part of the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Starting with your neighborhood. And I want to take the time today to help you understand why this mission field is so important. Not just for you, but to Jesus. There's times in our lives that I think we can all look back and we can remember 
something specific that maybe happened, a conversation, a tragic event that kind of helps shape who you are today. And I remember being 14 years old, and I used to hate going to church, y'all. I ain't going to even lie. I used to hate it. And they would have us sitting. So we was in a little church where, like, on this side, they had the teenage Sunday school, and literally in the same room on this side, they had the adult Sunday school. Yeah, some of y'all grew up in that same type of thing. And I remember there was a gentleman who walked in. And, you know, you're in a little church. You know everybody. So you know it as a brand-new person. It's 10 o'clock. Why are you here? <laughs> Brand new, came in and he sat down and he, you could tell he was upset for whatever reason. Whether he had been drinking, whether he had been crying, whether he had been doing both, you could tell something was going on. And I remember him raising his hand. And I remember this like it was yesterday. And in the middle of the adult Sunday school class, he asked a question about his daughter. Something tragic had happened to his daughter and he wanted to know if there's a God why would something like this happen to my daughter? And I'll be honest with you, 14 years old, I tuned out everything my teacher was talking about. What's happened over here? And if I'm 100% honest with you, the answer that he got upsets me to this day. An argument started between this man and the Sunday school teacher. Because the Sunday school teacher began giving the typical church answers. Well, it must have been God's will. What do you mean it must have been God's will? You telling me this was God's will for this to happen? Well, if, if it was God's will to happen, then it's God's will, and we don't question God's will. Which is a real easy thing to say to other Christians who grew up like you did and believe what you believe. But when people from the world start walking into your church and they got real questions about real life and they're looking for real answers, the typical canned answer that we pull out our back pocket and hand them don't work anymore. It was God's will. My Bible tells me it's God's will that none should perish. What Bible were you reading? My Bible tells me that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. What Bible are you looking at? Do we understand that even God doesn't get his will all the time? That the things going on in this world aren't what he wants for us. But that was not the answer that was given. Instead, he gave an answer that didn't just upset this gentleman. I remember him getting up and leaving in the middle of that Sunday school. And we never saw him again. I don't know what happened to him to this day. Maybe he went somewhere and got the answer he needed. Maybe he went somewhere and lost his life later on that day. I don't know. But what I do know is that the church had an opportunity that morning to make a difference. And we failed. We missed it. We didn't love. We didn't show empathy. We couldn't just be there with him. Nobody, when he got up to leave, followed him out of the church. Nobody asked him, hey, let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's, let's build relationship. Hey, brother, I just don't even have an answer to your question, but I'm willing to listen. Because sometimes I don't know is the best answer you can give. I don't know. 
but I want to be with you. First Peter 3.15. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to give an answer. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. And I've seen so many Christians fail at this because if you believe something that I don't believe, we can't talk no more because that ain't what my Bible say. We can't have this conversation. I ain't talk. Is that what you believe? That's what you believe? You crazy. Oh, yeah, that's going to win him. I watch Facebook because Facebook showed me all type of foolishness. Y'all know I get on Facebook and have all the entertainment I want from Christians. I was watching some folks doing some street evangelism out in Chicago. Oh, we going to challenge and we want people. They set up a microphone along with them. They, so they out on the street. Set up a microphone. If you want to challenge what we believe, step up to the mic. Really? Well, in Chicago, people don't mind stepping up to the mic. Matter of fact, the dude that stepped up, drop kicked the mic. They on the corner on Facebook Live about to fight. This is how we winning folks today. We knocking out folks for Christ. Is that how this works? So you on Facebook Live for the world to see how stupid Christians looking right now. Literally getting ready to get in a fist fight with somebody that you invited to come challenge your belief. Y'all think about this. This is what we do. Some of y'all shaking your head right now. That's literally how I was just looking. I was literally, this don't make no sense. So I want to start with a question. That's really important as we begin this neighboring season. And what we're looking for is Memorial Day is like tomorrow. I look at that and say this is the perfect time to start being intentional with building relationships with your neighbors. Can I ask you a question? What if when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he actually meant your neighbor? What if it was like that simple? What if he actually meant love your neighbor as you love yourself. So here's some of the questions that people ask that don't know Jesus. Why do good things happen to bad people? If there's really a God, why does he allow this type of stuff to happen? Is the Bible real? How do you know? How can you prove to me God exists? Well, I believe in Buddhism. Well, I believe in Islam. Are you telling me that what I believe is completely irrelevant? These are real questions. And if we as Christians and as the church are unwilling to engage in civil conversation, we're no better than the nearest cult. No better. Because see, a cult just says, this is what it is. This is what it's going to be. If you don't like it, get away from me. You can't be a part of this. You ain't good enough. You don't get it. But if I really got the answer, and I know for a fact my relationship with Jesus is intact, I don't mind listening to you. Matter of fact, I want to learn more from you. I want to learn why you believe what you believe. What experiences have you gone through? What questions do you have about what I have? Because I've got some questions for you too. And before you know it, we've started building some relationship. 
Because I got news for you. I'm not going to believe anybody that can't have a five-minute conversation with me and be civil. <laughs> you going to convince me of what you believe, but you yelling and spitting all on me? <laughs> so let's ask a difficult question today. And I want to help you with this because I, don't, I just I, this is what God gave me. Why do Christians believe that Jesus is the only way? So I'm going to ask that question. And anybody, raise your hand, yell it out. I just want to know what you think. Why is Jesus the only way? And I can hear the typical church answer. Let me give you them. <laughs> because the Bible say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it does. But why? Because I'm going to be your unsaved neighbor today. What the Bible says, there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. Why? Why not? What makes his name so great? This Jesus guy that all of y'all keep talking about. Why is he the only one? There's millions of ways to God, right? Why is your way the best way? Oh, it's quiet. Anybody, somebody. Tell me, why is Jesus the only way? Somebody. Yes, ma'am. Because I tried him and he proved himself. Okay, somebody else. Anybody. And this is not a trick question. These are real questions that you will get asked. And you can stand there and be looking like, uh, well, this is what the Bible say. Well, that's great. Well, this is what I believe. Okay. Or my favorite one, this is what I was always taught. Well, somebody else was always taught something different. I saw a hand back here. He's the only way to salvation. Why? And I'm not, again, y'all, I'm not being antagonistic. Yes, sir. What was that? He died for our sins. Okay, so he died for my sins. But if, if he's the only way to the Father and he died for our sins, like, help me. Is there more scripture that I'm missing? Am I missing some information? Yes. Amen. Very true. But I'm still looking for more reasons. Said, set it on fire, Lord. Look, burn something up. Amen. He said, I'm gonna light you up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you want to see something burn? Okay. <laughs> still being the unsaved neighbor, y'all. You telling me about personal experiences for you. 
can you reason with me? And I'm not negating any of the answers. What we're doing today is I'm explaining something. Because we have answers and we have experiences, but it's hard when you're dealing with people that don't necessarily believe this Bible, already don't believe in the God you're talking about, and who might believe that you're crazy anyway. Can I be honest? Farina, some of the folks out on the block think we nuts. They really do. Because we can't sit and, and explain, so what am I doing today? I'm messing with you a little bit, but let's dig into this word. Let's talk about how we portray this in a way that's rational and reasonable for those that didn't grow up the way we did and didn't have the experiences that we may have had. I have absolutely had experiences that have proved to me without a shadow of a doubt God is real. I done prayed some stuff that made zero sense for it to happen, and I've watched it happen. I've seen miracles. I've seen stuff. Be, I've seen people be healed. I've seen all type of craziness that says, this Jesus thing is real. But I need to be able to explain this to somebody that hasn't seen that. Amen? So let's jump into some Bible. I'm going to give you some scriptures, and we're going to talk about this. Um, I'm going to move as fast as I can to try to save some time. So you're going to get some of the, the Cliff Note J English version of some of these scriptures. But I'm going to also make sure I reference where I'm getting this from. But I need you to understand this. From the beginning, why is Jesus so important? And I thank you. You said in Genesis 3, which is very true. Let's go back to the beginning of everything. God made the world. And then he put man in charge of earth. So he gave man authority. In Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings, making them to be like himself. He created them male and female. And he said, have many children so that your descendants will live all over the earth. I am putting you in charge of the fish, the birds, and the wild animals. Psalm 115.16 says, heaven belongs to the Lord alone, but he gave the earth to us humans. He gave us the authority. Why he did that, I don't know. Sometimes I wish he never did. But he gave us the authority. And you know what man did? We gave it away. We gave it away. Pastor Jay, why do you say we gave it away? Because in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. He gave it away not just to sin, which is referenced here, and to death. He gave it away to Satan. Matthew 4, 8, and still this devil subjected Jesus to a third test. This is when Jesus is out in the wilderness and Satan takes him to the top of a mountain and he says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all of this. Can I tell you what messes me up in the Bible? Jesus' response. He never denied that was true. Read it. Satan says, I will give you all of this. Jesus' response was, the scriptures say, to worship the Lord our God alone. He never said, Satan, you're a liar, you don't own this. Satan, this is already mine. I already have it. You can't give me what I already own. He never said any of that. 
So we understand, first and foremost, God gave man authority in the earth. This is why it's so important to pray. Do you understand that prayer is us giving God permission to act? I don't even think we understand the power of prayer. We just think it's just something mystical that we do. God gave us authority. And it's through prayer that we give God permission. We hand our authority to him and say, God, act on our behalf. Do what you want to do. We pray and say, Lord, have your way. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is why it's so important, because he gave us the authority. Pastor Jay, is that real? Think about it. When you speak in tongues, what are you doing? The Holy Spirit is grabbing a hold of your tongue and praying the will of God. Why? Because God knows exactly what he wants to do and why he needs to do it, and he needs you to say it. Gave us authority. We gave our authority away. We continue to give it away. Being caught up in different things, we give our authority away to sin, to Satan. Why is Jesus so important? Because it had to be a man to come on the scene to reclaim the authority, to give it back to God. There had to be a man. Understand that God set everything in motion to move a certain way. When he gave that authority away, he had to come up with a plan that still worked within the realm of what he had created. So God, giving away the authority, cannot walk back onto the scene and say, I'm snatching this all back. Well, God can do anything except break his word. I love this. Y'all real quiet today. This is why, this is why Jesus had to come on the scene in the form of a man. He had to live a sinless life and be the perfect sacrifice as a man. I'm going to read you something. Romans 5, 19, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. 1 Peter 3, 18, the anointed one suffered for sin once for all time, the righteous suffering for the unrighteous so that he might bring us to God. So he might bring us to God. The scripture that I couldn't wait to get to. And I'm going to read this, and we're going to run down God's redemptive plan because I need you to understand it and be able to explain it. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 28. For just as all people die because of their union with Adam, in the same way all will be raised to life because of their union with Christ. But each one will be raised in proper order. Christ, first of all. Then at the time of his coming... Those who belong to him. Then the end will come. Christ will overcome all spiritual rulers, authorities, and powers, and will hand over the kingdom to God the Father. For Christ must rule until God defeats all enemies and puts them under his feet. The last enemy to be defeated will be death. For the scripture says God will put all things under his feet. It's clear that the words, all things, do not include God himself. 
who puts all things under Christ. But when all things have been placed under Christ's rule, then he himself, the son, will place himself under God. And God will rule over all. We're asking the question, why in the world do y'all believe that Jesus is the only way to God, to heaven, to everlasting life? There's a million religions out here. Each of them have their own God, their own way, their own path. Some of them say you can have whatever path you want. We all going to heaven anyway. But then you have Jesus who is either what he said he was or he's the greatest liar to ever live. He left us no gray. I am the son of God. Me and my father are one. There's no gray there. There's no way I could have misunderstood him. I have the power to forgive sins. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I go, you may be also. Like he's saying all these things. What is God's redemptive plan? What does that look like? We know for a fact and I know we don't talk about the book of Revelation a whole lot, but there's a specific part in there that we need to know about. Has anyone in here heard of the millennial kingdom? Here's something you need to know. There's going to come a time on this earth. The Bible refers to it as the great tribulation. During this great tribulation, this is when, if you heard of the term, the Antichrist, this is when he'll be revealed. According to scripture, how will we know who he is? He's going to do what nobody's been able to do. Broker peace in the Middle East. That's going to be your sign. He's going to do what has never been done. Since Abraham went and messed around with Hagar and put all this stuff in motion, The Bible tells us that this great tribulation period, some scholars say it's going to last seven years. Some say it'll last longer. I don't know. I'm not here to get into the details of all of that. The Bible says it's going to happen. That during this time, you'll have the Antichrist who's going to be revealed, and eventually he's going to begin torturing and killing Christians. Christians will be beheaded worldwide, like we see it some places now, worldwide. There will be a one-world government that he will rule over. It's very likely we as Christians, being as non-inclusive as we are, are going to be top of the list. Because as long as you believe there's a million ways to God, you ain't a threat. During this great tribulation period, there's going to be natural and supernatural disasters. Why? Because the wrath of God will be poured out on an unbelieving world. God is going to display his wrath but also his glory. People will have no choice but to believe there's a God somewhere. He's going to prove it. Revelations tells us, and this is what breaks my heart, that over 50% of the world will die during this period. Think of this. There's about 7 billion people on this world, on this earth right now. You imagine 3.5 billion people being gone? What would that do to travel? What would that do to food supply? What is that going to do to communications? All the things that we take for granted. 
some of the supernatural disasters. The Bible talks about some of almost like the plagues of Egypt. Water turning to blood. Massive earthquake. The sun literally scorching people. And I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. You can check me, fact check me. Over half the world. The Bible tells us that if not for the elect's sake, those that are getting saved and living through that time, Jesus comes back for them that all of the world, all the earth would die because of what's happening. Think of the famine. Think of the disease that people are going to be living in. Jesus returns and he wages a war. This battle is against the Antichrist and all of those who have accepted the mark at that time. Just saying, hey, I accepted this mark because I still want to eat. I still want to be able to live. And some of y'all are like, I'll never take the mark. I ain't going to never, uh-uh. Yeah, but you keep accepting all of those uh, notifications on your phone every day. They ain't going to track me. They already tracking you. If you got Facebook and Google on your phone, they know everything about you right now. For real. Y'all know two weeks ago they found somebody who killed somebody, and he was trying to say where he wasn't, and they pulled up his Google. I'm so serious. He fought them tooth and nail to get his phone records, and they were like, we don't need your phone records. They pulled up his, literally, his Google profile and was able to see exactly where he was every minute of every day. They know what you're doing. Jesus comes on the scene, wages his battle, and at the end of this war, Jesus reigns victorious and he rules on earth for 1,000 years. Satan himself is put away. Imagine living on earth, Satan gone. No temptation except for what we deal with. This scripture tells us that Christ must rule and overcome all spiritual leaders, rulers, authorities. It's during this period of time that he does this. Jesus Christ in the flesh, on earth, running the world. He's the president. He didn't take no vote. This was not a democracy. For a thousand years, this happens. And the Bible tells us that Satan is released at the end of this time. Think about the reality of Jesus Christ himself running things. And the Bible says that at the end of this thousand years, Satan gathers an army as numerous as the sand. Even with Jesus himself on earth, people still choose. That ain't the way I want to go. The Bible tells us that this army marches on Jesus and all of those who belong to him. And it's such an anticlimactic battle. You think of all the things that could happen and what Jesus can do and it literally says, fire comes from heaven and consumes them all. The end. But at this point, everything has been placed under Jesus' feet. 
Satan, death, hell, and anyone whose name is not written in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. Why do you Christians believe that Jesus is the only way? I got news for you. I'm not here to debate your religion. I'm not even here to argue. I'm not here to debate the existence of other deities. Maybe there are. What I'm saying is that if this Bible is right, and I always phrase that that way when I'm speaking with unsaved people, if this Bible is right, I got news for you. Ain't seen none of this. I can't bring it into existence and hand it to you. I can tell you my experience. I can tell you what I believe. What I will tell you, and I tell them this, I'm betting my life on it. Betting my life on it. Now, as an aside, if I die, and ain't none of this real, and I get sent back here as another person, it's a whole lot of dirt I'm going to do next time that I didn't get to do right now. Tell you right now. Whole lot of stuff I've been saying no to, and I'm like, well, this wasn't even real. I can go do that. But if this is real, and I'm betting this life that it is, then Jesus will be the last one standing. I don't care if you believe in Buddha, that's fine. I don't care if you believe in Muhammad, that's fine. You can believe in Shiva, you can believe in Isis, you can believe in all these different gods and these different deities and these different things that people worship. I'm not here to debate you and tell you that your belief is wrong. Why? Because you telling me my belief is wrong don't help me have a conversation. But what I say is that if this is true, then Jesus will be the last one standing. And if he's the last one standing, and he's saying that everything that belongs to me, I'm going to put myself and all that are with me back underneath the Father. This is why the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This is why there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. Accept the name of Jesus. Because God's plan from the very beginning was to send a man to die for us. To love us in a way that we've never been loved before. To go through the pain and the suffering of the cross. to be the first to be resurrected. Because understand this, everyone else who's ever been resurrected outside of Jesus died again. A lot of people in the Bible got brought back to life, right? Got news for you, they're not still here. Jesus is the only one that's still living. And he says, if you have a relationship with me, those that die will still live. Those that belong to me, there's going to come a day where I'm going to give you to my father. 
It's about who do you belong to. And when we look at that grid I had up there, and you start looking at your neighborhood, you start asking the question, who do they belong to? Who do they belong to? Because that's the question that has eternal ramifications. Who do you belong to? If Jesus is who he said he is, and he's doing everything possible to make sure we have the opportunity to live the life that he wants for us. This man died for you already. You can answer that question and say, I belong to Christ. And this is why belonging to him is so important. Because he's going to return. He's going to rule over everything. And anything that does not belong to him will be cast into outer darkness. Does this make sense? Are we understanding what Jesus was sent for? And this is all Bible. This is not me coming at you with my experiences. But this is at least providing a bit more depth into the information of who Jesus is and why he was important. I'm going to ask everybody quickly right now, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I feel like it's such a different message today. Just God wanting you to know why. And my question my question for any of you in here, who do you belong to? And is there anyone in here after hearing this says, I want to belong to Jesus? At the end of all things, I want to belong to Christ. I want to be part of that which is offered back to the Father. I know who Jesus is and I know what he's doing. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.